I want you to turn in your Bibles today to the book of Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 5. Um, before I read the scriptures, we have some friends here today. I think Susanna and Saul, from our pastors from uh, Yangon in Myanmar, they're here. Would you please stand up with the family? Uh, they are passing the fastest growing church right now in Myanmar. They have several thousand people and we want to just say welcome to Cornerstone. Thank you so much for being here with us. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, A wise man will hear and increase learning. And watch this please. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Father, today I pray for the Holy Spirit to anoint us to, to, to speak, Lord. I pray that the meditations of my heart and the, the words of my mouth may, will be pleasant before you. I pray that you will give us the courage, Lord, to leave the old and come to the new, Lord. That you would put steel in our backbones and you would baptize our eyes to see the wonder of who you are, Lord. I pray that we will be synchronized and syncopated, Lord. I pray that you will empower your, uh, your angels, Lord, to war on our behalf today, Lord. And I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon this meeting. I may be the one doing the speaking, but let the Holy Spirit do the one teaching today. We just give you all the glory and all the praise. And everybody said, Amen. One of the needs I see in the church today is a need for spirit-filled and spirit-led counselors. People's lives are getting very complicated and many people are in great distress and perplexity and they often don't know what to do. When people come to us for counseling, they often say things like, you know, I'm stuck and I can't get out of this problem. I don't know which direction to take. And that often causes great anxiety. And you know, anxiety is the root cause of depression. In the last two years of the COVID lockdown, we saw hundreds and thousands of people here in Singapore going into uh, depression and mental sickness and all kinds of problems, which is why, which is why the Lord has given to the church counselors. One of the reasons the book of Proverbs was written and given to us is that in reading it and obeying it, we may attain wise counsel. I don't know about you, but I sure want to attain wise counsel. Amen. I like to think that each time I speak to somebody, each time I dispense counsel, that I'm speaking the very oracles of God. I want to be in perfect sync and alignment with His counsel, and I want to have the mind of Christ in every counseling situation. Now, whether the people will listen to me or not, that's their problem. But as far as I'm concerned, it is really important that I say what the Lord is saying in every situation. I want to bring your attention five men in the Bible who carried the spirit of counsel. And I want to draw some principles from each of them because personally I know, I believe with all my heart that God is seeking to establish wise counselors here in Cornerstone. The first man in the Bible that I want to allude to is a man called Ahithophel, and we find his story in 2 Samuel chapter 15. Now, Ahithophel was David's counselor. He was a man of David's equal, and he was in the inner circle of the king, and this is the description of the man in the Bible. Watch this, please. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 23, now the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, it was as if one inquired, listen, one inquired at the very oracles of God. The New Living Translation says, Every word Ahithophel spoke seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. Can you imagine, for a few moments with me, that you were coming to a man like Ahithophel and receiving counsel? I mean, God, you were about to listen to God speak. Hallelujah. The Jewish rabbis place him on par with another Old Testament prophet called Balaam, who was, of course, given by God the power to bless and the power to curse. And this is something that I believe the church must contend for. 
we must, I believe he, God wants to entrust to the church the power to bless. Hallelujah. And then whenever we give that benediction, as I'm going to do this evening after the service, I, I believe with all my heart that as I give the benediction, that God releases his blessings upon you. Amen. Now, we all know that what happened to Ahithophel. He went rogue and he joined the insurrection with Absalom against King David. He gave counsel to Absalom on how to usurp the throne and to kill David. And he would have succeeded had not God, play, had not God placed another counselor to overturn his counsel. And that was the beginning of the end of that man. When Ahitophel's counsel was overturned by the other counselor, he went back home, got his house in order and hung himself because he knew it was all over. The moment his counsel was overturned, he knew that God was not with him. In most likelihood, he was offended because Bathsheba was his granddaughter. And he took it very personally when David messed up and did a foolish thing. But I bring a, a negative example in the Bible to highlight the fact that God can give to every one of you today the spirit of counsel to such a degree that when you speak, you speak the very oracles of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. Hallelujah. Jesus only spoke what he heard his father say. It was like the prophet Samuel. God will not let one of his words fall to the ground. And may God raise within this house wise counselors. Wise counselors. Amen. Can we allow God to so fine-tune us that when we speak, we speak with the oracles of God? The second person upon whom the spirit of counsel was upon was a man called Hushai. Now, Hushai was not a well-known personality in the Bible. He was David's companion. He was David's confidant. He was in the inner circle of David. And he was the man that God used to overturn the counsel of Ahithophel in the rebellion of Absalom. You know, it's interesting that David surrounded himself with many wise counselors. And the Bible says that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Amen. Proverbs 11 verse 14, where there is no counsel, the people fall. This is very interesting. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. What does it say about vision? Where there is no vision, the people perish. The people cast off restraint. But when there is no counsel, they will fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We all need counsel in our lives. Amen. Never be wise in your own eyes. You know, that's the first prayer I pray every single morning. When I go down to my study room, I, I, I kneel on the ground and I say, Lord, keep me small in my own eyes. Keep me small in my own eyes. Amen. Clothe yourself with humility. Humble yourself before God. Amen. And don't think for a, a moment that you've got all the answers. Proverbs 15 and verse 22 says it this other way. It says, without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, the, the plans are established. If we want our plans to be established and succeed here in Cornerstone, we've got to make sure that we have wise counsel. Now, one of the personal goals that I've set for myself, for Cornerstone, is to ensure that we have many wise counselors. People's problems are getting so complicated and they need more than rhetoric. They need more than nice platitudes or cliches. They need to hear from God. Amen. And um, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of counsel, is one of the seven spirits of God, one of the seven anointings of the Holy Spirit. And the fullness of the seven spirits was upon Jesus when He walked on this earth. This is Isaiah chapter 11. When the spirit of counsel is upon us, we're able, like Solomon, to dispense wisdom and understanding and counsel to those who seek it. There are people in this audience today, right now here in this 1015 service, 
who are called to the ministry of counselor. It's a highly esteemed ministry. It should not be despised. And maybe one of the reasons sometimes we think that a counselor is unimportant, I, you know, I don't want to be a counselor, I want to be a pastor, I want to be a preacher, I want to be on a platform, you know. Sometimes we think that the ministry is unimportant because we have misused the meaning of the word counselor. And we call those who help at the altar counselors, you know, when we have a salvation call, they come up, they take your names, they pray with you. But that's not how the Bible describes counselors. Our Lord Jesus Himself carried this title. His name is Wonderful Counselor. Amen. Wonderful Counselor. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will shall be upon His shoulder. And His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. Jesus is Lord, and that's good news on a Sunday morning. Amen. Now, this grand announcement uh, of the coming of a Messiah and the names by which He would be known which represents the work that he must do when he comes. One of the titles is Wonderful Counselor. He has a counsel for every crisis, plan for every problem, a direction for every dilemma, a prescription for every pain, and a message for every man and woman here in this place today. Amen. The third person that I want to refer to that carried the spirit of counsel is a man called Elihu. And Elihu, you've got to understand the backstory of Job's trial. Job went through a horrific trial and in one day lost everything he had, including all his children. Now think about that for a few moments. Three of Job's friends came to console him in his great distress. And when they saw him for the first time in his terrible condition, they were so shocked at his physical condition that they wept with him for seven days and not said one single word. I think that was the wisest thing they did. Job's anguish was indescribable. But after comforting him, they began to counsel him. And the way they did that was wrong. They were harsh, they were critical, they were judgmental, which is completely opposite to the nature of the Holy Spirit. What they said in effect was, if a man is upright, God will prosper him. But if he sins, God's judgment comes upon him. And since you are under great judgment, it must be that you're a sinner. It must be that you're a hypocrite. And that's how they saw the problem. That's how they saw the situation. I tell you this, it's so easy when a person is going through a terrible trial and then conclude, oh God must be angry with that person or that person is under God's judgment when you don't know the backstory. Jesus said, judge not and you shall not be judged. You got to learn to sit where they sit before you open your mouth. One of the aspects of the spirit of counsel is gentleness. I tell you this, my friends, I am where I am today. Because God has been gentle with me. David said, your gentleness has made me great. Hallelujah. That when we talk with people, there's always a sense of meekness and gentleness and kindness. Hallelujah. Am I making sense to you? Now, one of, from God's perspective, Job was one of three of the most outstanding righteous men in the entire Bible. Did you know that? Together with Noah and Daniel, they were singled out by God as the most righteous men in the entire Bible. Hallelujah. Woo! And I thank God that he did not allow the counsel of those three friends to prevail. How did he do that? He placed another counselor in the midst of them and his name was Elihu. And this younger man spoke, of course, with the counsel of the Lord. Finally, the Lord shows up, rebukes those three men. His wrath was over them. But he exonerated Job 
And that at the end of the trial, Job was given a double what he had lost. And it was a very different outcome to the one predicted by his three friends. We must make sure those three friends never counsel in Cornerstone. Amen. They counseled Job by what they saw, by what they heard. They saw his condition, immediately concluded there was sin. And that's why Jesus exhorted us never to judge by what we see or by what we hear, but by righteous judgment. Come on. Can I have an amen for that? Things are never what they appear to be. And that is why we must never rely on principles when we come to counseling. A spirit-filled and a spirit-led counselor is someone who resolves problems, guides, determines what should be done in every given situation with divine inspiration. Come on. With divine inspiration. A counselor must never operate on a humanistic or on a psychological level. I, I know personally friends who are psychiatrists and psychologists who listen to our sermons every weekend, and I'm not putting anybody down. All I'm saying here today, if people are going to be set free and delivered, there has to be a supernatural element involved in it. Amen? When people are bound in chains, I tell you this rhetoric and platitudes are insufficient to set them free. You need the power of the Holy Ghost to sluice them from their chains and their bondages. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to thy own understanding. I think the most dangerous thing in counseling is we lean to our own understanding and counsel with human intellect. The fourth person I want to allude to is King Solomon. Solomon was not just the wisest man in the world. He, was, he also carried supernatural power and wisdom as well. The Jewish sages believed that he had power and authority over the demonic. But the spirit of counsel was upon him. When two prostitutes stood before him to claim a child that both said were theirs, Solomon exhibited great counsel and everyone recognized it was a superior wisdom. Now in line with this little sidebar, let me just talk for a few moments about the counsel of fathers. Proverbs 27 and verse 10 says, Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friends. Come on, think about this. Now, when King Solomon ruled over Israel, he was a hard taskmaster. He was a slave driver. Did you know that? And it was, what was it that drove him in all his endeavors? His building projects. His mega projects. He built all kinds of cities. Storage cities, chariot cities, palaces. He built every kind of city. I mean, he built the temple. He built everything. He was a master builder. And no one could build like Solomon. But where are all these glorious buildings today? I tell you, not one is standing. Not a single. Uh, I, I feel this is really important. The Lord's really been speaking to me about the direction that Cornerstone has to take. You know, our, our legacy is not in buildings. It's in the people. Amen? When I stand before Jesus one day, He's not going to say, that was a great building you built. He wants to build His house, the temple of God. You, amen? He's fitting you as living stones being built together as a people. You know, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be announcing next, uh, I think next week, uh, we have a new facility in, in Katong Shopping Center, 5,000 square feet, and it will sort of ease all our problems and physical problems here in, in, the, in the Katong campus. We have another campus in Bugis. Uh, I go there once in two months to preach. And the last time I went there to preach, God is my witness, I couldn't, I couldn't recognize at least 90% of the congregation. And I thought to myself, who are these people? <laughs> I don't know. You know, when I, when I go to the mall and many people come up to me and they say, hey, Pastor Young, how are you? 
And my first question is, now, where do I know you from? <laughs> I've been in Cornerstone, how long? 10 years, oh my goodness. But uh, I, I realized that I, I'm not pastoring the people any longer. That they have under shepherds that look after them and pastor them. The church has grown and we give God praise for that, amen. But, but I, I feel something about this thing about building and you know, I've always wanted to get a second campus, a third campus for Cornerstone. But I feel a little check in my spirit. I, I'm not saying that God is not gonna give us a building but to spend 50, 60 million dollars on a building, that's not something that stirs me up very much. I believe it's more important to, to, to put the money in, in missions, in global evangelism, amen, and in the lives of people. I'm, I'm just saying, all right, I'm just saying. Now before Solomon died, his kingdom was already being torn apart by tribal warlords. After his death, his son Rehoboam ascended to the throne. The people came to him and said to him, your dad was a slave driver and he was a hard man, and he made our life very difficult. But if you would be kind to us, we'll serve you and your sons. Rehoboam said to his father's counselors, what do you think? They said, take heed to the people, speak kindly to them, and they will serve you. And this is the counsel of the fathers. But Rehoboam wanted to hear the counsel of his own friends, his own peers, who grew up with him, and they gave him the opposite counsel. They said, the people are just lazy. You should drive them harder. Your dad was too soft on them. And Rehoboam made the crucial error of listening to his friends and his peers rather than the counsel of his father's friends. And the result was the nation was divided into two. And did you know Israel never recovered from this bad counsel? Never recovered. One bad, wrong counsel. And the nation split into two and Israel never recovered. What was the cause? He listened to the wrong counsel. Whose counsel you listen to can make or break you. Now the day will come when my wife and I will pass over the baton to the next generation of pastors. Not yet. Somewhere in the future. People sometimes ask me, Pastor Young, when are you retiring? I said, why are you so capable? Why do you want to know? God has not spoken to me about this. Some of them are very eager to hear this, you know. But the day will come. The day will come when God will speak to me and when He speaks to me, He will also tell me who will succeed us. But let me go on record to say that we have a very capable team, experienced bunch of leaders. Most of them have grown up with me for many, many years and I trust them. And I want to just say that Cornerstone is blessed with amazing leadership. But I'd like to offer this piece of advice to the next generation of leaders that are sitting here today, the deacons, the pastors that are all here. Don't forsake the, the counsel of my friends. Over the last 32 years, I've connected with some of the most wonderful leaders of my generation. And they've been a great blessing to me and my, uh, this congregation. My friends, those in the 60s and 70s, those who have given me invaluable counsel, I want them to continue to give counsel to the next generation of leaders. You know, I had the privilege of having a wonderful mentor, Pastor Bailey. And he was a man of impeccable character and wisdom. And I could always count to him for wise counsel. I tell you this, I don't know how many times I call him and says, Pastor Bailey, I'm in this situation. I don't know if I should go to the left or to the right. What is the counsel of the Lord? I went to him for counsel all the time. And I tell you that he was always hearing from God 
He was always hearing from God and sometimes he would say things to me that would be difficult to do, but I will always obey his counsel. And I know that many people don't have this privilege, but when he died, there was a void. I lost my counselor and I knew that I needed to find a company of elders who could give me counsel. And over the years, I've assembled, assembled a council of elders to speak into my life because I understand the principle that in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And people like Sylvia Evans and Chris Berkland and Alex Larson and Sam Matthews and many others who have been a great strength, a source of strength in my life. And I'm in touch with them almost every week, every other week, writing to them, talking to them about the things of God. Not every one of them, but some of them. Listen to the counsel of your fathers. Amen. You younger pastors here, listen. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to connect you with my friends. It's so important that you connect with the, with the friends of your fathers. Amen. Many years ago, there was a young man from India attended our service. He was, he, he was a handsome man. I, all I remember was he was really good looking, Bollywood with good looks. So I asked him one day, I said, are you married? He said, no, sir. I said, do you have a girlfriend? He said, no, sir. I said, why not? He said, because pastor, I'm waiting for my father to choose my bride and anyone the fa my father chooses, that's the one I will marry. Wow, I was so impressed with this sense of honor. Today is a successful pastor, pastoring a great church. Honor! I wish all the young men in the church would say that to us, to the fathers. And I wish all the young women in the church would do the same. Dad, who should I marry? Hallelujah. We should have a matchmaking agency here in Cornerstone. My wife has an anointing for that. <laughs> But it's so important to, I don't want to belabor the point, but it's so important to, to not to neglect the counsel of the fathers. Amen. The fifth person I want to direct your attention to is an interesting character in the Old Testament. We, someone we hardly hear about. He was the father-in-law of Moses. And a whole chapter, Exodus 18, is attributed to his counsel. His name was Jethro. And in Hebrew, Yitro, which means abundance. Jethro is attributed with giving counsel to Moses and saving Moses from burnout. In Exodus 18, we find Jethro giving sage-like advice to Moses. And if you think about it, you know, Moses was the greatest leader in the Old Testament, but he condescended, he humbled himself to listen to the advice of a pagan priest. Moses had a problem. He had a monster work ethic. And if you didn't understand, the, he, he didn't understand the word delegate. I have a Organizational chart of Israel in the wilderness. I, I want to show this to you. Moses was in charge of everything. <laughs> did you know that he did all the counseling in Israel? Three million people. He was the only counselor. And they were not an easy bunch. And I tell you, this is not even a smart thing to do. Even if you're Moses. Have you ever wondered why God would give Moses, such detailed instruction of the tabernacle, such detailed instruction of the regulations and the laws concerning the sacrifices, but did not say anything to him about how to be a judge. He allowed Moses to struggle under this overbearing workload for a season until finally Jethro shows up and becomes an organizational consultant to Moses. Why didn't God just tell Moses, hey Moses, listen, I'm going to teach you how to delegate. 
God never said one word to him. And you know why? I think this is the reason. Moses never asked. There was a man in the Bible, his name was Zechariah. Uh, I'm so sorry. Joshua, not the one in the, in the Old Testament, not the Moses and Joshua. This is the Joshua, the high priest. In Zechariah chapter 3, an angel of the Lord comes to him and takes off his filthy garments. Do you know he had his filthy garments for 16 years? 16 years. Covered with filthy garments. And my spiritual father one day said, Lord, why did he wait 16 years? Why did you wait 16 years before you changed his garments? And the Lord says, because he never asked. And I tell you, there are a lot of things in our lives that we struggle with, but we don't go to God and say, can you help me, Lord? A lot of problems that we struggle with, because, but we don't ever stop to think God has the answer to this problem. We go through so many problems in life and don't stop to ask God, what do you think? Come on. So here is Moses. He said to judge people from morning to evening. This went on day after day after year, month after month after month. How many of you know we're not built to handle this kind of pressure? Now Jethro was observing all this. He said to Moses, both you and this people who are with you will surely wear yourself out. This thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it. I tell you this, my friends. I'm sick. I just turned 63 two weeks ago. And I'm feeling my age. I have problems. After one service, I used to preach three services on the Sunday. Now after one service, I can barely walk out of the church. And the words are dribbling sometimes out of my mouth. You know, when I preached last week, and the, some of you were there at the Friday night uh, the, the concert, I got up to preach, and something never had, this never happened in my life in the last 32 years of ministry. I got up to preach, and my mind went completely blank. I couldn't think of the next thing I want to say. And I, I thank God he gave me wisdom to put notes at notes there, or else I would be in big trouble. I completely lost it. And I thought to myself, Lord, is this a, is this a, are you trying to say something to me? But you know, I'm just an aging piece of, a sluggish piece of aging humanity. I'm beginning to realize my own mortality. I've lived more yesterdays than I have tomorrows. And that's why I have to work not harder, but smarter. Hallelujah. Amen. And a lot of travel right now takes a toll on us because every time I come back, it takes about a week just to get over your jet. Like tomorrow we fly off to Sydney again. I thought this would be a good break for us, you know, Christmas and after that a few days. So, but I'm speaking at a conference in Sydney and um, I, I felt the Lord said, I want you to go. And so I said, okay, so I can't, turn, I can't change my word. So pray for me. And um, I just feel like the, the you know, the, the, you, there is a diminishing of strength and vitality and you're not as strong as you used to be. You don't have the same kind of vitality. But I take encouragement by what the Apostle Paul said that while the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed. Amen. Amen. So here is Jethro. He gives advice to Moses. He says, Moses, if you don't delegate, you're going to implode. Moses humbles himself to listen to his father-in-law. The Bible says, give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser still. Learn to listen to instruction. It is the way of life. Learn to, whenever you are making a decision that is significant, ask 
Go and talk to your leaders and say, can you give me counsel? Should I do this? Should I do this? What do you all think? Especially if you're changing a job, if you're about to get into a marriage, ask your leaders, should I marry this person? I mean, the day is coming that I think that that's not even the question to ask. The day that we're coming, the question to ask is, should I even get married? Hallelujah. Okay, there's total silence there. So he gives six pieces of advice to Moses. It's a classic, right? Number one, to stand before the Lord for the people. That's the first advice he gave. This is the most productive thing and wise thing that I know I can do in this season. I will be more productive for you by praying for you rather than by preaching to you. Really, I believe that. Have you asked me, Pastor, which would you prefer? A greater anointing for prayer or a greater anointing for preaching? I'll choose the anointing for prayer any day. My responsibility as your pastor is to stand before you on your behalf to bring up your problems, to pray for you. And I think the pastor is the, being a pastor is the greatest privilege because you are entrusted with the most precious commodity in all the universe, the lives of men and women. Hallelujah. If you're a pastor, if you're a shell leader, carry the needs of your people in your heart before God. This is the posture of all the great men in the Bible. Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Samuel. They all stood before the Lord in the presence of God to hear the counsel of the Lord so that they can give the counsel to the people. If you stand before God for the people, God will cause you to stand before the people for Him. The second thing is to bring the difficulties. That's my senior moment. They're difficulties to God because one of the aspects of leadership is problem solving. The, high, the, the level of problems you can solve determines your level of leadership. The more complex the, the problems you solve, the higher is your leadership level. When Joseph solved the famine problem, no one else in Egypt could solve that problem except Joseph. And, and the Pharaoh said, is there another man in whom is the Spirit of God? And he went all the way up to the top because of his ability to solve the problems. Did you know that at the end of Joseph's life, he was so wise, so amazing, that he bought all the land of Egypt. The whole of Egypt belonged to him. Did you know that? Can you see something like this happening in our day? Okay. <laughs> you shall teach them statutes and the laws. And this, of course, is the pastor... His job is to prepare key teachings for the congregation and a shepherd essentially is called to feed the flock. Your ability to feed determines your ability to lead. Amen. Number four, show them the way they must walk. We can get so preoccupied with the work that we forget our walk. Number five, show them the work that they must do. This is evangelism, pastoral work, community service, servanthood, volunteerism, right? This is the work that we do. And then select able men from among the people. This is delegation. And the one quality that is above every other quality when you choose people is ability. It's ability. Not disability. It's ability. And according to the ability, they were entrusted people with thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And this, of course, is the hierarchical system of the children of Israel. And this is a cell, very wonderful cell system. I want to close by giving you a 31-day challenge. Are you guys ready? I want to encourage you to read one chapter of the book of Proverbs each day for a whole month. There are 31 chapters. Read every day one chapter of the book of Proverbs. Read, read it slowly. Don't read it like you, you read the newspapers. Read it slowly. Ask God to give you wisdom and understanding. Ask God to give you counsel. Take time to read it. Meditate on it. And I tell you this. I, this is one thing I can guarantee you. That after one month of being faithful to it, 
God is going to give you, it might be very incrementally small, it doesn't matter, but you are going to grow in your wisdom and your understanding. And if you do the cycle again and again, I promise you the day will come where you will attain wise counsel. That you will attain wise counsel. And, uh, and people are going to start coming to you because they, you know how people talk all the time, Boy, you should go to that guy, man. He's real. His counsel is amazing. Every time he speaks, God delivers me from my problems. And people are going to hear about the anointing over your life. Hallelujah. God is going to cause you to attain wise counsel. And I'll close with the counsel from our Lord Jesus Christ himself in Revelation 3 verse 18. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire, that you may be rich. This is the divine nature, being partaking, partaking of the divine nature. White garments that you may be clothed, that your shame of the nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eyes soft that you may see. My friends, listen to counsel. Receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Let's all stand in the presence of God right now. Thank you, Jesus. There are people here today that are called into the ministry of counseling. I don't know who you are, but you are beginning to see this happen in your life. People are starting to call you. They're starting to say, can I come and talk to you? I have a problem. I need to talk to you about this problem. That's because God is, is elevating you up into a ministry. I believe with all my heart that God can give you, like He gave Ahithophel, like He gave Hushai and uh, Elihu, the spirit of counsel, so that when you speak the word, you are speaking the very oracles of God. People are going to hear this. People are going to hear your counsel and they're going to know that you heard from God. I want to be like one of the Old Testament prophets that stood. Elijah, when he stood before Ahab, says, I am Elijah, the prophet that stands in the presence of Almighty God. I hear the counsel of the Lord. Oh, I pray in Jesus' name that God will raise up mighty counselors. This spirit of counsel is one of the seven anointings of the Holy Spirit. And I believe there are people here today that God wants to release this spirit of counsel upon. That God wants to put in place this spirit of counsel. It might not happen overnight, but if this is something that you desire and you say, Pastor, I want to give wise counsel, Lord. I want to be able to dispense the very oracles of God. I want to, when I speak, I want to speak the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, this is your moment, my friends. I believe that the Holy Ghost is here today. I don't know why He put this word in my heart today. This is Christmas Day, but I sense that the Lord says, I want them to know me as wonderful counselor. Hallelujah. I am the wonderful counselor, and I've got counsel for every person in this room. I tell you, no matter what your problem is, Jesus is the answer for the world today. He is here today and God is moving by the Holy Ghost. There are people here in this audience that you are know that you are called into the ministry of counselor. I want to pray for you today and if that's you today, wherever you are in this audience, would you lift up your hands and you say, Pastor, pray for me because I know that God has called me into this ministry of counseling. Come on, just raise your hands. If you desire this, if you long for this, hallelujah, wherever you are right now, if your hands are raised, just come to the front, just come and stand here. I want you to do that. I want you to make a commitment and say, God, I want to be a counselor. I want to be a counselor. Just come, please. Everywhere uh, in this audience, if you raise your hands, you just come and make a commitment to the Lord. I'm asking you to make this 31-day challenge uh, to read the book of Proverbs every single day, one chapter a day, one chapter a day. I tell you this, as you begin to be faithful with God in the small things, God will give you 
the spirit of counsel. God will give you the anointing to counsel. Hallelujah. Come on, you just come. Hallelujah. You just come if you desire. You say, Pastor, people are coming to me and ask, asking, telling me their problems. And I, that's just an indication that the anointing God wants you to begin to grow in that area of ministry. You just come. Come on, just come. Keep on coming. Just one song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.